Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. We got Brian with us today. What's up, heretics? And you guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo, which always needs challenging. And today we are definitely challenging the status quo. But before we do all that, don't forget to do all the internet stuff. And of course, like, subscribe, share along to your friends. And if you'd like to partner with us, join us on Patreon. It really helps and it really means a lot for us to keep running this thing and running it well. So anyhow, uh, before we go ahead and get started, Brian, you yeah. got a new shirt. You. Uh, right mm -hmm. on the new, on the website, we got some new merch and Brian ordered one. I am not wearing one of our shirts, but I am wearing a fun shirt. Uh, <laughs> So I feel like it's apropos, and we'll talk about that here in a little while. But uh, but that mine is from the OUR store for you know the uh, Sound of Freedom movie and all that good stuff. But anyhow, um, if you haven't watched it, then you've been living under a rock. So anyhow, but today we are responding to are giving our response to Andrew Wilson's debate with Matt Dillahunty, and basically was uh, the idea of. Atheism versus Christianity. Uh, and now I heard this discussed in one of the many theology groups, and then I checked it out and I sent it to Brian right when it went down. Like I was 20 minutes in, I sent it to him. I was like, you have got to watch this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Brian, what floated out of my phone? Yeah. <laughs> I watched it. So, what were your first impressions of this, Brian? My, my first impression was it's about time someone Matt met Matt's level of smugness in a debate because he always takes this really kind of holier than thou smug response to people when he's debating them. And he's essentially trying to beat him as a, uh, in rhetoric instead of actually addressing the substance of their comments. And he steamrolls them in a very smug, um, straw man way. So absolutely to have him take some of his own medicine back so yeah you and i um a couple weeks ago uh got with braxton hunter who also debated matt dillahunty in the past and one of the biggest things that has driven me absolutely crazy when i've watched people debate matt is how nice they are to matt when they really don't need to be right like because matt has been i mean he's so vitriolic he's been very toxic in his responses and in his debates he's extremely smug and he's i mean honestly he's not a very likable person he's very prickly and uh so it was very nice to finally see somebody meet his energy and that's where i think a lot of times we need to remember in debates Christians all the time have this idea of I have to be as kind and nice and be the sacrificial lamb that just drops dead on the sword and acts kind and polite the entire time. When we forget that Jesus was like, hey, you're whitewashed tombs. You know, nowadays, because Jesus speaks, we kind of spiritualize that. And we're like, wow, whitewashed tombs. I don't want to be that. But back then, that was mad trash talk. Jesus was talking mad smacks to the Pharisees. Uh, and you brought one up earlier with Paul. Yeah, with Paul and Galatians too, right? He's calling the men the men from James the circumcision party, and he tells Peter he stands condemned, and he's essentially like, repent, so I don't have to keep calling you out. So uh, we see strong, backboned um, Christian leaders in the New Testament taking strong stands against terrible ideas and terrible teaching and terrible actions so that they can see the light of day and everyone can see how wrong they are. 
Absolutely. So one of the things that here now, b- before we get into this, because there are a couple of disclaimers. One, I'm a pastor, so I'm going to be dealing with this from a pastoral side, teaching and speaking on exactly what the church has been ta- teaching on some of these topics for the past 2000 years. So obviously my statements are my own. But the other thing is, uh, the other caveat is, if you are sensitive, if you have not watched this debate, and you have your sensitive uh, to certain topics or certain language, be careful because there is going to be language that is in this video. Language is used as and four letter words are thrown in here. So this is adult level content. So if you have children around that you don't want to hear it all that, do not be around them when we do this. Okay. But this is something I think is good for Christians to listen to because I think it shows some of the very effective ways that you can shut down some of the nonsense that we're hearing nowadays, especially from the neo-atheist community. People like Matt Dillahunty, people like Sam Harris and others who speak a lot of jargon or speak a lot of, make a lot of claims about Christianity without having to do any of the scholarship. So anyway, um, so with no further ado, Brian, do we want to start getting into this a little bit? Yeah, let's just, we'll just play it and we'll, uh, we'll stop it. When each of us has something to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, James. And thanks, Andrew, for being here and all of you for showing up. Um, humanism has as its focus the betterment of humanity in this life, while Christianity has as its focus adherence to a God and the disposition of souls in an afterlife. Our best efforts in this life are, according to the Bible, like filthy rags. Our best attempts at righteousness and justice are portrayed as vile and disgusting when compared to a bumbling God constantly failing to get his creation to love and respect him while also prescribing the death penalty for nearly everything. Adultery, blasphemy, breaking the Sabbath, disobedient children, witchcraft, worshiping another God, not being a virgin on your wedding night. Which is better for society? Well, I'd say the one that has human society as its focus and isn't so intent on killing humans for not buying into a specific doctrine. Heaven and hell, if they were to exist, aren't human societies. What a God thinks is unknown and irrelevant. Okay. All right. Hold on. We can't, we can't let that just, okay. So obviously Dill Hunty is talking about secular humanism at this point, but a few things he, for a guy who gets so upset that he's misrepresented, he cannot ever represent Christianity decently, favorably, and nor does he understand. He always talks about how he went to like, Bible school and like that's where he deconstructed because he started really reading the Bible for the first time. But what's funny is that that man has about the theological like depth of a puddle because he really has no understanding of anything biblically. He says all there is is a focus of adherence to God and dis- disposition of souls in an afterlife. No, if you actually know Christian dogma, you know we say, no, we're all image bearers of God. We're all equally valuable under God. No, we are, are to be live peaceably with all men and care for one another. When he's talking about our rags being filthy, he's not talking about all, I guess my good deeds mean nothing. He's just saying that I can't earn my way to salvation or into heaven because I'm still a sinner. So he really legitimately is just, this is why I mean, he's, He's vile, like in his in his the way he presents things all the time. Then he also says that God is just God is just bumbling around, failing over and over again. But he's got to admit that's a straw man, at least. <laughs> like if he's being honest a little bit. 
Yeah, like because again, what is he? What is God? We don't see God bumbling around at all. We see God calling the shots all the time. Like this, what's going to happen? It happened. Hey, do this. You didn't do it. We see a constant God saying, "Do this," and people not doing it. We see people sometimes they do do it. Uh, there's no part of that where it's at all anything to do <laughs> with bumbling around. And then he says uh, he prescribes a death penalty for nearly everything, and that is such a misrepresentation and again tells me that he has done this much study and here's the best part about being a new atheist if you're a neo-atheist or a TikTok atheist or any of the other shallow mouthpieces that exist on the internet right now the reality is that you have the easiest job in the world you don't have to read you don't have to study ancient literature you don't have to try to make sense of things because all you can do is keep throwing out wild claims Claim after claim after claim, objection after objection after objection, and then sit there on a tower and pretend like you're somehow some moral prodigy who I'm gets not a, convinced. Yeah, and just go, <laughs> well, I'm just not convinced, which is Matt Delahunty's famous line. That's all you have to do. So this uh, this drives me crazy because it's like that's all that we see in these type of atheist fears is so the death penalty was prescribed for everything but if you know anything about the case law it means up to death also there's multiple other systems in place to make sure the death penalty would not be acted out on because they know that god was merciful so they were to be merciful i mean you could you could read plenty of sources on that and then on top of that like even like the idea of like okay stoning a child a disobedient child well a lot of people fail, fail to realize because they haven't read the mishnah commentary on it is that it's talking about a person who wants to exist within israel a child that is no longer a child who is refusing to go through his basically his bar mitzvah so he's refusing to become a man and wants to remain a child while still inheriting all the blessings of the covenants there of living amongst the people and they're like look you can't you can't just stay a child your whole life you either have to leave or you have to become a child of the commandments and live here. And if you're going to do both, then we have to remove you from society uh, because it's either here or there. Like the people totally miss the fact of why, and they're also surrounded by hostile nations that all want the pound of flesh and they can't have that sort of thing within it because if they have that sort of thing within it, what's gonna happen? Your society is gonna continually fall apart because they have a bunch of men or children who are not choosing to be adults. So anyway, there's a lot of things we could keep going on about that, but yeah. you, uh, he kind of sets up right. He says secular humanism is this just the betterment for humanity in this life, and then straw man's Christianity, and then says which one's better, the one that's focused on human society and isn't so intent on killing humans over a specific doctrine, and then in a few minutes he's going to cite a couple um, secular humanist organizations, essentially holding them holding them up as if you want to see what what he believes and what they believe. And uh, if you go to the, the Council of Secular Humanism's website. Um, they state in North America, because access to health care is not a right, access to sexuality, education, contraception, abortion is limited and unevenly distrib distributed. And they also say, and what about the secular community from atheists to secular humanists to merely unchurched secular Americans overwhelmingly, though not unanimously, favor abortion rights? And our, and our numbers are still swelling. So he's saying that that Christianity is bad because it's intent on killing humans, but then their website is intent on killing humans so because much for betterment of human human life <laughs> it's not this life if you don't get to have it yet i guess maybe yeah if you're it. if you yeah if you know we're all about human flourishing until there's an unwanted pregnancy in which case it's just a clump of cells and we get to kill it so yeah anyway that's 
that's a lot to say there. And we'll get more into his hypocrisy here soon, because by the way, that's the thing. The thing is with atheism is that it does not have any claims to truth whatsoever. It does not have claims to morality, no matter what people will tell you. It does. It, it honestly, and this is what's funny is that Matt Dillahunty is the walking demonstration of that very fact. You remove God from the equation and anything goes and it all can contradict because you know what the best part also about being a neo-atheist is that you don't have to worry about the law of non-contradiction because you can contradict yourself because hypocrisy and contradicting is something that you only have to worry about if there is something that says thou shalt not. And we'll get to that. But you can still be morally indignant when people sin against you. Just you don't have to. <laughs> worry about what people say about your actions. Exactly. Shall we continue? We shall. Kill a humanist nation, either in a governmental form, which I'm not advocating for, or in a primary philosophical view of the majority of the population, which means we have to look at the ideals between these two positions. Secular humanism has been around for 90 years. In 1933, the first Secular Humanist Manifesto was published. It identified humanism as a religion with 15 points. It was updated 40 years later in 1973 with a lot more information. And then it was incredibly shortened in 2003. In addition to the manifestos, there are organizations like the Council for Secular Humanism, American Humanists, et cetera. All right, so there he said the, the orgs. The thing he said right at the beginning, I think we kind of cut off the part of it when we paused last time, but he says, never been a sec so secular humanism, there's never been a secular humanist nation or primary philosophical view of majority of population. It kind of sounds like when you talk to communists and they say, well, real communism just has not been tried yet. Yeah, there. Yeah, well, there's no secular humanist nation, so it has never really been tried. However, there are some atheistic policies running around, right, with different countries. Like there are certain atheistic countries running around. Do we care to ever read what those are, Brian? Yeah, like in the past, so right at, he said that secular humanism has been around since the, the 1930s. Okay, well, what do we have after the 1930s that were atheistic countries? Uh, East Germany, <laughs> Czechoslovakia, Bulgaria, Latvia, Russia. Those aren't exactly great bastions of human flourishing and, and universal freedom among people. Um, and then if we look at who's who are the, the self-proclaimed practice atheistic states now well that's north korea china cuba and vietnam not exactly the best company to be associated with yeah exactly and then as chris fisher says he says we we seem sees we are living in a secular humanist country yeah like right now right yeah. like everything is secularly humanistic now there's a reason why people say all the time these are humanitarian efforts like that's it is entrenched now we used to say we're a christian nation well no we're really a humanist nation now but According to Matt Dillahunty, real communism, I mean, real atheism has never been tried. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway. You, you have to compare the, the ideas. Well, secular humanism, you aren't human if you aren't wanted, right? We just, we already quoted their website from one of the, the organizations that he said was proclaiming his version of secular humanism. Um, they say, they say the science they can claim as, a, as a, their mantle, unless it disagrees with them. We have plenty examples of that, and we'll talk about many of those today. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I'll stick with, with Christianity. At least that one seems to limit our base desires and not make them rights. <laughs> right, exactly, right? So, 
Yeah, I'll I'll stick to my, I'll keep my Christianity, please and thanks. Uh, so yeah, let's keep on moving. Let's get into the rest of this around here. Wait, no, is there more? We should wait. Uh, sorry. Yeah, he. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he. We'll we'll get into that. Never mind. Keep going. Keep trucking. In the first version of the manifesto, it's presented as a religious view where it acknowledges there's no supernatural guarantee of human value. We advocate a heightened sense of personal life and a cooperative effort to promote social well-being. The goal of humanism is a free and universal society in which people voluntarily and intelligently cooperate for the common good. In the manifesto version two, 40 years later, this includes a lot more information, short versions. They say, begin by saying those who sign this disclaim that they are setting forth a binding credo. This statement reaches for a vision in time that needs direction. We affirm a set of common principles that can serve as a basis for united action. This isn't a to-do list or a thou shalt or thou shalt not list. We're fine with religion's inspiration, but we're opposed to dogma and authoritarian views that place anything above human needs. Religions don't pass the test of scientific evidence. The promises of immortal salvation or eternal damnation are illusory and harmful. Ethics and moral values stem from human experience and situational ethics stem from the human need and human interest. Reason okay. and intelligence are the most effective instruments. All right, yeah, we got, we're, there's so much to say there. So- We just um, on claim after claim after claim. I, this is like, this is like neo-atheist strategy 101. Let me just throw a bunch of objections out at you. So that way you can't actually deal with each one. And then I get to walk away, beat my chest. When if I did the same thing to them, they'd be like, well, we need to focus up. He first says that we're okay with religion's inspiration, but we're, we have a problem though, when that, that's like pushed on other people essentially. And meanwhile, he's okay with pushing secular humanism on other people. Yep. So it's okay if you push your ideology, it's just not okay if we push our ideology. But remember, there's no big deal because he says right in that same statement that in secular humanism, there is no list of thou shalt not, except thou shalt not put your secular, your, your Christian worldview onto me. You shall, thou shalt not ask other people to convert. So when he explodes at the end of this debate, you'll see there's a few more thou shalt not. <laughs> absolutely. And like from the human, like. And then they're like you already mentioned they're pro-abortion so they're really not for human flourishing they're actually for you call it rights to to kill our own offspring which is actually like the opposite of human flourishing like if you we were all about if it really was atheism we're all about just uh reproduction then why would we allow for abortion then he says that, uh, that they believe in a free and universal society where people voluntarily and intelligently cooperate for the common good um, is a society that calls abortion healthcare a universal and free society? What about if you're not born? I know we're going to harp on that quite a bit throughout this, but just shows the hypocrisy of it. But on top of that, Matt Dillahunty himself, because he talks about how morality is all about like it stems from our personal and social experience, right? That's what he just says. But what if my so my my social experience has been that Christianity? and imposing that upon others or evangelizing even is for the betterment of society. Well, so it's, fluctu it's fluctuating, right? So it can be something else in the future. So maybe secular humanism will just become Christian once they start listening to logic and reason. 
Well, what's funny is that like he has said it before where it's like, well, it's like, well, we choose our morality based on like how we would choose like playing chess where there's certain rules that we all agree when we play chess, how to play chess. And it's like, well, that's still subjective, right? I don't have to play chess that way. I could play it like checkers. But, but we do have that ability to play chess. But we still have to agree on the rules, which means it's subjective. It's not something that's objective. It's not something that's above everyone else. It's not something that carries through for everyone. So on atheism, there is real no morality because if things are just an accident, a space accident, then there is no over overall purpose for life besides you exist and you die. And there is no morality because no one says what's right or wrong. He admits it himself. He says you have to agree to the to the play to the rules of chess in order to play chess. Just like with morals, we all have to come to an agreement on what is moral and then live that way. And then he says that people can disagree with how to play chess. So right here, he has no moral grounding to even make this claim about why it's important that people voluntarily and intelligently cooperate for the common good. What even is the common good? If I asked East Germany in the 1940s, I'd get a very different answer than if I asked Hamas today, or if I asked Israel today, or if I asked Matt Dillahunty here in the United States. Yeah. Well, he says too that he's, he, I think this is a little bit of nugget of truth that he accidentally says. He says he's fine with religious inspiration. Of course you are, because that's how you get any moral framework whatsoever in what you're stating. That's how you're getting even the idea of a shared common values being productive for a flourishing society. That's the foundation of the, of the, the, the founding documents of the United States of America are based on that same idea. There's common values and structure that we all agree on to govern ourselves. That's not a secular humanist idea. It's a, it's a Christian idea. Um, and then he says, but he doesn't, he's opposed to the dogma and authoritarian views that place anything above human needs. I think we'd probably want to get into, Oh, look, Matt's in the chat. Hey, Matt. <laughs> it's not Matt. It's a troll, oh. but it's hilarious. <laughs> this is slander defamation because I say so. Good day, sir. <laughs> clearly well i love that troll <laughs> so clearly it is intended to be a troll uh because there's no way matt would ever be so polite to wish me a good day <laughs> uh, anyway. yeah the whole idea of you know he's opposed to the dogma and authoritarianism as he says that is in in religion but then if you go to that the same organization website that he cited the American humanist says due to systematic systemic barriers and discrimination, abortion bans disproportionately impact black, indigenous, Latinx, Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, LGBTQ plus folks, immigrants, people with disabilities, young people and those living in rural areas. <laughs> Does that sound like dogma to you? That sounds oh, like dogma to me. Sounds like dogma. But remember, sounds authoritarian too. <laughs> <laughs> you will do this. Uh, at, remember, but ethics and morals stem from our human experience, which still means they're subjective. So that's, 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 yeah. <laughs> Reason and intelligence are the most effective instruments we po we possess. Does he talk about that yet? Have we yeah. got to that part? Because I think he was just, just about to get there. Okay. All right. Let's talk about, let's, let's just go ahead and carry on our wayward sons. Instruments we possess. We are not advocating for the use of scientific intelligence independent of or in opposition to emotion, for we believe in the cultivation of feeling and love. Individuals are precious and their dignity is affirmed. <laughs> this is important. Us, human beings, affirming 
the value of individuals and human beings is more powerful than a God affirming it, and it's infinitely more powerful than a human claiming a God affirms this, which is all we appear to have. Oh, for crying out loud. He's such a tool. <laughs> Sorry. like <laughs> He's so insufferable. Um, so reason and intelligence are the most effective instruments we possess, unless there's no God, because then we are only determined and our faculties are not trustworthy. Yeah. Like this is, it's like Matt Dillahunty, along with almost all atheists will admit that determinism is probably true if atheism is true. Again, I've mentioned before, Sam Dillahunty, even, uh, not Sam Dillahunty, <laughs> no, don't let them combine forces. Sam <laughs> Harris, Sam Harris wrote a book, The Illusion of the Will, and other atheists have said, like, there is no free will, we are determined, but it is healthy and we must live like free will is true, which is oddly enough telling us to make a choice with free will to choose to, anyway, so a big ball of contradiction, but... What's funny here is that it's like, okay, reason and intelligence, really, are the best instruments we have. If I am only the result of matter and matter coming together, for, like sperm and egg coming together, developing and becoming a human being, I am nothing but what was from, ex from uh, external parts, uh, external components built me, which means all I have is my nature and my nurture and I'm pre-wired to think a certain way. This is why all atheists, Pretty much all of them who have studied this turn out to be determinists because they believe that we end up being just whatever we were determined to be genetically, which means we actually don't have reason. We can't even, you know, the atheists who say all the time that I'm a free thinker. Uh, you aren't a free thinker. You can't even trust your own mental faculties because you don't know if you're just pre-wired to think that way and you have no access to being able to trust those faculties that you have. Now, I think you can trust them, but that's because I believe that you're an image bearer of God. But anyway. Well, and if he actually believed that reason and intelligence were actually effective tools, he'd actually be using actual reason to give his argument against Christianity and for secular humanism. But instead, he decides to straw man it and gaslights his own audience into thinking that he has good arguments instead of just baseless claims like he was talking about here with what's more powerful and humans affirming the value of humans or God affirming the value of humans. Absolutely. And he says individuals are precious and their dignity is affirmed. According to who? Again, the chess game. So if I, if I think, if I choose to agree to your chess rules and agree to humanism, then sure, I can agree that they are that way. However, if I was, you know, some guy with a goofy mustache in the 1940s in a place called Germany, I would disagree, right? Like not everyone has that. Hamas disagrees for sure. Who says who is right besides you as a collective human going, I don't like how these humans do things. It becomes an opinion matter. So his whole opening statement buckles under its own weight because he can't justify his own complaints. If morality is subjective, your moral outrage bears no weight, period. So, And I want you to just think about this quote when we have the end of this debate when he's saying individuals are precious and their dignity is affirmed. Yeah, uh, bookmark that statement. Uh, <laughs> bookmark it, remember that, because that's going to become important. Also, uh, their dignity is only affirmed if they are uh, born, according <laughs> to Dilati. okay? Yep. So they, they, have to, they have to be outside the womb in order to be affirmed. Uh, and also, when he talks about that, like, uh, us co humans collectively saying that we're valuable is more powerful than a god saying it. 
No. <laughs> That's just a claim, bro. You know, claims require evidence. What? If there is an all-powerful God that made you in his image, who's a whole a, a king of the entire universe, who is even the one who built you and gave you value and gave you got you like the faculties to be able to love and trust one another, how how is that more how is that less powerful? If there's a if God is real, then it is more powerful if he says that you have value than for just some random human to say you're valuable or even a collection of humans. And then he says, or if a human claiming that God does that, which is all we seem to, which is all we seem to have tonight, which is funny. It is he interesting had, that he, he dismisses that as like a, an issue like, Oh, and what we all seem to have is just humans claiming that's what God say, but he's saying that humans are valuable and that's, that's the highest. Right. And then, but when humans claim that God says we're valuable, that's, that's silly and stupid. And how could you believe that? But the conclusion is the same. Right. So where exactly. did that idea from? Well, he's saying we just kind of developed it over millions of years of human evolution. Well, that's weird. What is even human at that point? Right. We're exactly. Post fish that came out of the, the slough in the in the ocean and decided to have some legs. Right. Exactly. Why do we think we're valuable just because we're at the top of the food chain? That doesn't make any sense either. Then he also like chides this idea of an afterlife like multiple times, right? He chides that like there's no value in that. I'm like, how is there no value? Like if, if even if you're an atheist, how can you say there's no value in being like, hey, by the way, you'll live forever in a paradise? Like because he says that humans affirming the value of human beings is more powerful than a god affirming it, and infinitely more powerful than a human saying a god affirms this. But if God is real. Him valuing it means he can offer them in a perfect eternal afterlife. This seems far more valuable to me than just existing and not existing and saying I'm valuable because another human said so. So, again, that's why people will use the Pascal's wager thing. So, um, yeah, it's just crazy. So, um, what is Nitty? I can't believe Christian channels are backing him at all. This debate was senseless on each side. I don't know who you mean by backing who, because they're definitely not backing Dillahunty, but we will demonstrate why we think Wilson was correct. And I and we said at the very beginning why we thought his strategy worked, but we're going to talk even further on that as we go. The third version of the manifesto in a nutshell, because it's so short. Whether God exists or not, we have problems to solve. We have to do this without appeals to the supernatural entities or intervention. We must utilize the best methods at our disposal. Reason and science seem to be the primary ones to assess reality and reach conclusions. Justice, fairness, equality, and autonomy are the primary goals. This life, not a hypothetical afterlife, is what we're trying to improve. So what happened? Hi, everyone. Mark Barton oh, here at CD Hook Pro. All right, I'm pulling that down. We'll let the ad play. <laughs> awesome. Also, well, let me just quickly address Nitty again. He goes, Andrew, Andrew, have you watched any of his content? Uh, here's the best part about, no, I'm actually not familiar with, with him. And you know what? I don't have to agree with everything he says or does. That's the best part about these sorts of things is I can agree with some of your ideas and disagree with others. I can agree with some of your behavior and disagree with other parts of your behavior. And right now I'm just saying his strategy to nuke Matt Dillahunty, it was very effective. Anyway. All right, we're going to play again. Entities and governments, either legitimate or illegitimate. 
Well, conflicts with other societies and other governments may not have any reason to diplomatic solution. You need only look to Gaza. But that's Islam and Judaism. Here we have Christianity as a primary and Christian nationalism. Under secular humanism, you get to be a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, gay, straight, socialist, capitalist. You just don't get to impose those necessarily on others through acts of fiat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> that last part really cracks me up. You just don't get to impose this on others. That is an imposition. <laughs> Absolutely. That claim it is. is an imposition. <laughs> Well, that, that's the irony of it all, right? And again, he, he that's why secular humanism and all atheism is one big fat contradiction. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, reason and science are the best uh, methods at our disposal to assess reality and reach conclusions. Then um, you wouldn't expect a secular humanist to storm out here in a little bit, would you? So anyway, um, so where are we going out from here, Brian? Yeah, so. we'll, we can let him. He's going to rant about Mike Johnson here for a second, which I think we should play just because it's it matters later and something he says. But uh, we'll let him keep going. Not necessarily true with the religions in charge of the government. Mike Johnson's the new Speaker of the House in the United States. He's homophobic as all get out. He's argued to criminalize homosexuality. Homosexualities, by the way, are U.S. citizens with specific, specific rights that he wants to take away. Moreover, he advocates for gay conversion therapy, which is unscientific and torturous because he thinks he can help them pray the gay away and the gay can be eliminated. He's not anti-gay. He just wants them to cease to exist as gay. They get to keep being human beings. He thinks there's no right to sodomy. Privacy laws don't protect everything. And he thinks that what sort of sex do you have it should be his to regulate. Sodomy, by the way, is anal or oral copulation, which I have it on good authority, heterosexual folks engage in as well. 2022, he presented what was called the Don't Say Gay Bill, outlawing any discussion of gender identity, sexual orientation, or related subjects, which was incredibly problematic because he ignored the, the, what the experts have to say about age-appropriate content and how critical it is, especially for kids under 10, which was his target, to have correct language in order to better report on and about sexual abuse. His policy, if it had been implemented, would have made it more traumatic for kids and more difficult for them to uh, out their abusers and easier for abusers to get away with it. Happily, it failed. In 2015, he blamed abortions and the breakup of the nuclear family for school shootings. He also says the teaching of evolution is to blame for mass shootings because we've taught a whole generation of couple generations now of Americans that there's no right or wrong, that it's about survival of the fittest. And if you evolve from a primordial slime, what is that life of any sacred value? He's right. He wants student-led prayer back in school. So, Speaker, is, are you okay with Islamic prayers, satanic prayers, or just particular Christian prayers? He's opposed to the separation of religion and government, sometimes called the separation of church and state. He thinks that the founders only wanted to protect the church from the state and didn't want to protect the state from the church, citing the notorious lying pseudo-historian David Barton um, to support this view. He definitely seeks to impose his views on others. Now, some of you are saying, hang on, he's the Speaker of the House, he's not the Speaker of Christianity, or that's not my type of Christianity. Great. But what is your type? What's your type of Christianity like? Because there's a lot of them. How is it better? 
And how can we make sure that we get your better version than the one that Mike Johnson won? He thinks his version is correct. So do you. Countless denominations without consensus. He's already got more power than my opponent has right now. So I don't know Andrew at all. I don't know what, what version of Christianity he's advocating for. I didn't bother to look him up. We literally just met, said hello as I sat down here. Is his that version shows. of Christianity better? I really hope so. <laughs> yeah, it does. Because it would be hard to get a whole lot worse. But they point to the same book. They point to the same savior, the same history. Liberal and moderate Christians provide legitimacy and cover to hide the fundamentalists and to allow them to engage in Christian nationalism. Secular humanism allows you to be a Christian right up until you try to oppose it on others. And then you get to keep being a Christian. You just don't get to practice it in the way where you're imposing it on others. You can pray, you can go to church, you can tithe, you can worship, gather, share, discuss, convert, vote based on your values. You can vote against your own best interest. I see people going all the time. You can teach your kids your values under secular humanism. All right, that's enough rant. <laughs> and what's funny, so what's funny about that, he goes on a whole thing about Mike Johnson. Who brought up Mike Johnson here? Like nobody brought us like, okay. Um, that's the problem. Yeah, and then he go talks about David Barton as well, and you're like, okay. Now, what's funny is that, so, of course, later he gets mad at Andrew uh, and talks about Matt's view about how he's talking about Matt's view of secular humanism, but he's talking about Mike Johnson's view here, right? So he gets mad at Andrew when he talks about, when Andrew goes, well, Matt's view is this, and he's like, oh, well, did you bring that up? I'm like, well, you, you're here over here bringing up, like, uh, his view. Yeah, just Mike saying, Johnson's not even in the room. Exactly. <laughs> He's quoting Mike Johnson, uh, quoting David Barton to speak for Christianity as a whole, which is another problem, right? He name calls David Barton, which is important later as well. Yeah, yeah. He call, calls him a pseudo historian. Uh, so then he goes like, oh, but they pull from the same book. They pull from the same thing. Yeah. You know what's cool about Christianity is that we have unity and diversity. Like, yes, we do pull from the same book, but sometimes we disagree with each other. Uh, that's been a Christian tradition since Acts chapter 15. <laughs> um, real yeah. quick, I, I, I did want to quickly touch on Nitty here, circle back around. He said uh, he's no fan of Matt, and he's been subbed to us since he saw us drinking stouts or something. And <laughs> so I just wanted to say, hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm just saying, like, I don't have to agree. Like, I don't have to agree with everything Wilson says in his other areas. I can stand behind them in this area and go, I think he actually had every right to do what he did. Um, and then, uh, then also a great example of disagreement amongst everyone. Uh, Andy, Andrew Selby says heterosexual folks should engage in either of those, which is oral or anal copulation. And I know there's, uh, other Christians who disagree with that. I, I actually think that the marriage bed is undefiled. So what you do with your marriage part, with your married partner is up, up, up to you with your with husband and wife, what they do with each other. I think there's doesn't matter, but so I disagree with Andrew, but I don't think we're going to hate each other for it. So, um, anyway, so the point is here, uh, yeah, <laughs> The thing about X-15 is that they came to an agreement, kind of. It said there was no small disagreement, but they agreed to like on just the bare minimums. So they agreed on some bare minimums there, but I bet you that when they left, they 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 practiced certain things differently. And we see that same thing with that idea of Romans chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians 14. There's more and more could we go that, that is a, that's been an early church tradition where you get to disagree with each other. And I think it's a great Christian tradition that we should allow because that's how you have unity and diversity of thought. So anyway. And I, and I think we get to like peak incoherence here towards the end of that last clip where he's saying 
Secular humanism allows you to be Christian right up until you try to impose it on others. Then you get to keep being a Christian. You just don't get to practice it in a way where you are imposing it on others. <laughs> you mean, well, that, that's my favorite part. You don't get to, pra- you can be a Christian. You just can't practice it up to the point where you're trying to convert others. I'm like, you mean well, one of the central tenets of Christianity, which is go proclaim the gospel to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Like, so you're telling me I can't practice Christianity. Exactly. That's what you just told me. You and the told- irony of what he's saying is secular humanism allows. Wait a minute. I thought you just said you can't impose it on others. So your religion can't impose on others, but the other one can. That doesn't make any sense. That's right. an incoherent sentence right from the get out. It violates a lot of not- reason and logic as tools here. <laughs> But what is it? One of the rules of law? Is it one of the laws of logic not to violate the law of non-contradiction? Isn't that a thing? I could be crazy. I don't know. I haven't read Aristotle in a minute, so there are. Maybe we just gotta that. wait for another update to the Secular Humanism Manifesto, and then then they can. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's imposing secular humanism on others and saying that you that Christians can't impose Christianity on others. They can't even practice Christianity in a way that's Christian because that would violate secular humanism. So it can't even hold up to its own standard, which is what we see a lot with progressivism in general. And that's why we see there's been countless examples of, of progressivism essentially eating itself because it creates standards that it can't live up to. We see the same thing with with the, the fundamentalists too, and a lot of the really uh, staunch um, uh, conservative Christian groups too, where they can't hold up to their own standards either. And it creates this, this cycle of, of secrecy because they know they can't hold to their own standards that they're proclaiming to others. So we see that's a problem whenever you use it, whatever side of the spectrum of, of belief you're on. Yeah. I also exactly. thought it was funny. He says that uh, you can vote, but voting is by nature imposing your views on others through your own vote. Isn't that the irony? Like, don't impose your views until you do impose your views, which we'll allow. Yeah. And that's why even like you talk to some, some really staunch libertarians like, I don't vote because then I'm voting my own rights away and I'm voting the rights away of others. So even so they take, I would say, even a more nuanced and more secular approach than than secular human, humanism is, is, at least as far as Matt's proclaiming it to be. Absolutely. Um, and he also says it's okay to convert. Which is a word of imposing on others your belief system, and you can teach your kids, which is another form of imposing your view on your offspring. I guess as as long as you haven't killed them yet, because you're still pro-abortion, right? Because as he actually says that you can you can teach your children children values. So what about the values of loving God? Is it that not one? Is that that one's not allowed? The value of loving God and walking humbly with your God is not allowed. Maybe in his view, because he only says values, right? But I don't think he realizes that in the Christian worldview, that is the chief value. Um, so uh, a couple of things before we jump into Andrew Wilson's statement. I wanted to address and, uh, Andrew here. Uh, Andrew Selby again. He says, aren't there a lot of uh, purity laws in the Old Testament? Yes, there are. But you'll notice that they weren't – none of them was a, because the purity law saying that it was impure to engage in, like, sexual activity. It was impure, like, if she had her menstrual period because that was actually the release of blood. That was death. And – that and she had to be purified so that way she could stand before God again and have life because these are all different things. The purity laws a lot of times had to do with engaging and touching, uh, 
uh, a sin fallen world, a sin corrupted world. So it's about purifying yourself in that sense. It's not always about a sexual ethic there. Um, you actually get a good list of the sexual like uh, forbiddance in Leviticus 18. And you'll notice it just talks about like, you know, not being with certain family members, like incestual, bestiality, uh, homosexual. It doesn't talk about like exactly how that, the various forms of copulation in there. Then also he says, where do you get this idea that there's no sexual ethic in Christianity? Again, that's not what any of us have claimed, uh, nor did Derek uh, a, a second ago. He even said, except for those which is explicitly sinful, which means that there is a sexual ethic. The sexual ethic is that one man, one woman for one life is the God's intent, and a sexual act should be done in marriage, and only in marriage between man and woman. So that is a sexual ethic. That's a sexual ethic we're all called to. And, um, and then finally, you said, it's not okay to disrespect the image of God that includes in the bedroom. It doesn't matter if it's consensual. So you would first have to de demonstrate how the various forms of copulation is somehow disrespecting the image of God more so than normal copulation, which is going to, which is far more hard pressed and has to be kind of like inserted. Um, and people would have to agree with various presuppositions that you would have, which we don't have time to get into right now. But I understand with the argument. I've heard the argument before. I just do. I, the more I examine it, the more I just don't see. I, I don't see how it can hold up to its own standard. And it seems like it kind of wildly gets out of whack. So, um, yeah. So it's going against the purpose of copulation. Okay. Are we a person here that, because you say it's anti-life, are you someone then who thinks that sex is only for reproduction, period? Because also there's ways you could still, <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to get into that. Um, so because the reality is, uh, sexual, like the acts of sexual pleasure with your spouse is not just for reproduction. It's also for enjoyment. That's why God made it to be enjoyed. So, um, well, I think this is a good example, right? Will of, of going against exactly how Matt defines Christianity, that it's, it's incoherent and it doesn't make any sense and which side do you agree with or whatever we're actually practicing what he says is a, is an ethic of secular humanism by actually using reason and logic to discuss things with each other and none of us are rage quitting over this either which is which is kind of interesting i hope i hope not andrew seems like he's pretty pretty calm right now but uh yeah you said it's also for enjoyment exactly so if it's also a form of being intimate and loving to your spouse and bringing pleasure to one to another so therefore if someone's pleasured via like something like oral copulation, then, you know, anyway, this is definitely not an E for everyone episode. <laughs> we are also on a rabbit trail. <laughs> we are down on a rabbit trail. We're going to get, we're going to pull up before we get, I'll let Derek, I'll let you handle it in the comments. You and Andrew can go ahead and have it out. So, uh, all right, we're going to keep on trucking. The foundational principles of secular humanism solve conflicts with data debate and discussion instead of coercion, conversion, or conquest. Oh, really? There is no secular humanist sect and no denomination of secular humanists that's ever required someone to believe something that is not empirically verifiable, that's ever ordered the death of another person, that's ever ordered or acted to act or destroy property of any person or government, that has ever overthrown a democracy to impose a secular humanist regime, that's ever been connected with terrorist cells and activities, that's ever denied freedom of speech or expression, that's ever called for the deaths of people for criticizing secular humanism or any religious view, that has ever advocated for or inspired suicide bombers or terrorist attacks. Those things are simply not consistent 
in any way with the court. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the incoherence continues. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> I was thinking about just the list of nations we had earlier with, with those that are proclaiming atheistic values and policies. And most of those have been the most aggressive nations we've had on earth. Literally like North Korea, China, Russia, <laughs> need I go on? Like we're atheists. That's what we proclaim. Okay. But Dill Hunty's over here like, they've never done acts of violence before. They've never made someone believe a certain way or do certain things before. Well, when you here call, we are. If you call acts of violence healthcare, then I guess you can claim that, but it's not coherent to actual ethic and morality. Anyway, should we continue, or did you yeah. want to do anything else from there? Right. Nope that's that's enough. That's enough for me. Core values of secular humanism. There is no threat to Christians, Jews, Muslims, Scientologists from secular humanism. There might be from scientific skepticism and rationality if you're not able to actually demonstrate the truth of your claims. Hmm. But life, freedom, and an equitable relationship are the foundation. Of secular humanism, there is Where's no list of "thou shalt not" or "thou shalt," because we recognize that nearly every attempt at such a list fails at some point. As we learn more about our world and about getting better at understanding the world better, about doing better and being better in this life, the goal of humanism is a free and universal society in which people voluntarily and intelligently cooperate for the common good. If you have an objection to that. <laughs> so I have an objection, sir, because you're just like the only way you might re get some hostilities if you can't demonstrate your claim. You haven't demonstrated any of these claims. You just say you assume that it's good for human flourishing. Why? Humans also cause a lot of destruction. Isn't that like the plot of 90% of sci-fi movies out there? Humans bad, kill them all. Like... So anyway, I just, it, he makes all these claims about morality, what's important, what's not important. And all of them, <laughs> all of them are claims that he can't demonstrate scientifically. He can't demonstrate the, his morals or why it's important not to push views on others. He says this idea of hell is even toxic. Really? You think it's toxic that there's a final judgment for the most wicked people on earth? I bet you he likes the idea of maybe someone like Stalin getting before the throne of God and being judged, right? Like, so I just, anyway, it, I just had to say that because it's just such a wild, like, like, it's just crazy to me the lack of self, like, um, the term, self-awareness, there it is. The lack of self-awareness in what he says because he makes claims all throughout this and they're all like moral outrage claims too. And it's just hilarious because he can't, demonstrate those things yeah he says that we need to be able to do that scientifically well he also says that secular humanism solves conflict with data debate and discussion instead of coercion conversion and conquest but uh one ask yourself what data he's actually brought to this opening argument at all it's only just been claims postulations straw manning and gaslighting and uh he actually doesn't like debate because you'll see at the end of this <laughs> that when someone pulls the exact same tactics on him that he's using, all of a sudden, this is not a fruitful conversation at all. And he's going to rage quit and rip his mic off and walk away and start swearing. 
Um, so I, I just think the whole thing's ironic. And that's why we wanted to cover this because I think Andrew shows that all the claims that he's making of secular humanism at the beginning are completely false when actually put to the test. Right. It sounds good on paper, but just like, you know, socialism and communism sound good on paper, but we just haven't tried real social. It just hasn't been tried yet. <sighs> okay. Uh, yeah. Let's get into, let's get into Wilson's statement. Cause I know this is the part where I saw a lot of Christians not happy with Wilson, but I'm with one of the minorities that was like, yep. Well done, sir. Yeah, he's got he's got like six seconds left, and then Wilson will start. Or a better goal, what is it? Boo. All right, thank you so much for your introductory statement. Uh, we're going to hand it over to Andrew Wilson for 10 minutes, so thank you for being here, Andrew, and the floor is yours. You're welcome. For those of you who don't know me, my name is <clears throat> Andrew Wilson. I am the host of the one and only Crucible, the fastest-growing debate channel on the Internet. James, I just, just, just in case you didn't know, appreciate that very much. Appreciate everybody being here. All of you are way too stodgy in this room. Very low energy. Just wanted to let all of you know that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, of all pronouns, the Z's, the Z's, the hymns and hers, I would like to thank you for tuning in today for this exciting in-person conference on Modern Day Debate. My name is Andrew Wilson. Um, <clears throat> there's a few ways this debate can go. The topic is Christian ethics versus secular humanism, which which has a better foundation. The funny thing is, I already won that topic because as Matt explained to Jay Dyer, he has no justification under the skeptical belief structure to give an accounting for any meta-ethical uh, presupposition he may have. He just kind of grants himself stuff. He grants himself logic. He grants himself reason. He grants himself an entire worldview, even though he's using an unjustified starting position for it. So... I'm not honestly all that interested in doing the God not real dough debate because one, it's boring, and two, it's also really boring. It goes like this. Okay, hold I don't on. Have enough evidence and remain unconvinced there. Um, <laughs> he just said everything literally what we just said. Yeah. Which is like, he just like asserts these claims and like goes like, yeah, this is valuable and you should agree with me. And because everyone's like, yeah, I want humans to flourish. They don't think where the justification come from, comes from. Yeah, God has to exist in order to justify that. That's why he's like, I already won this debate because I already have a justification. He does not. He just grants himself things. So over here, when people get mad at Matt, I mean, I'm mad at Wilson. I'm over here like, why are you booing? He's right. He's just, <laughs> he says it in a far more cocky way than most people would. But that's because he is actually being someone who is matching that same level of energy that Matt has. But the thing is, is that when you match that energy and you're right, it makes you a bombshell as opposed to just some blubbering person. So if you get, if you're snarky that way and you're precise and you have the truth on your side, you might you might be a little smug. You might you might lose in the like the ethos uh, ethos category, but I don't know. For someone like myself, I for me it was just nice to finally see somebody go for the jugular with Matt. So anyway, you can go also, ahead. And it was also interesting that you know you can tell he's just reading his screen, which means he pre-wrote that whole opening statement, which means that he knew exactly what Matt was going to say before he even said it, which just shows how boring some of the Matt Dillahunty debates are because he's saying the same things over and over and over again. He's not actually interested in having a debate. He just stands on his claims and then walks walks away in a very smug way and thinks he won because he used rhetoric. 
Yeah, and he's just going, I am not convinced. I am not convinced. And people have even I, I given him like the most ridiculous things. Like, what if this happened? He's like, uh, I, why, why would that convince me? I, yeah, you know, he's just, yeah. he's dishonest. And there are certain people that are just atheists to be atheists. But let's, let's keep on trucking. There's a God, then I say, but you use a theistic worldview of justification. Like there is a God to grant yourself logic and everything else. So instead of that, I'm just going to grant Matt's entire worldview. Two thirds or more of the planet of this entire planet are all operating inside of a shared delusion that they were created by a sky daddy who loves him some slavery and murderousness. He thinks it's funny to kind of cosmically with people. That's his deal. Kind of his whole thing. That's Matt's worldview. So now Matt's right. And the question becomes, should we let them to continue to believe in this nonsensical Stone Age madness? Or do we stop them from engaging in it? My contention is, even if God isn't real at all, that people acting as though he is, is still superior to whatever nonsensical, egalitarian worldview Matt can come up with. Matt (laughs) also just acts as though the things he believes are true. He believes, he believes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I, when I was watching this, I just was laughing so hard the first time, and it's still funny, like, the third time around. Because, first off, he did mention how they're all, like, boring people in that room. And, by the way, that is so true when it comes to, like, most people who are really engaging in this, these sorts of debates. They're usually very boring people. So it is funny when he said that. I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, in this world, there's not usually a lot of personality. It's usually very much like, you know. Uh, but, anyway, um, go, go ahead, Brian. What was your thoughts? Before? Sorry. No, I didn't have any specific thoughts, but besides, I just, I just think it's funny how he's just leveling all these things right back at Delonte. <laughs> right. And, and like, and apparently, according to Chris, he said that they actually didn't know who was going to go first. And Dillahunty volunteered himself, which makes it even funnier that he was able, that Wilson was able to call the shot that well before it even happened. And then he says, that you know i'm not interested in the whole is god even real debate because that's boring because obviously the same arguments have been used for years and then he's also just like plus i will say that even if god isn't real it's better to live like he does exist which is even something like jordan peterson says like it's better to live like he does exist because that's kind of the pascal's wager thing right because at least we have a justification for a lot of these different things in life consciousness things like that versus this a whole like well, we're just going to grant ourselves things with zero like grounding for any of it. Yeah, I really also just kind of had fun watching Matt's expressions, the things he said. Like when he says he'll grant his his whole worldview, then he starts grabbing his pad of paper and he's writing something down. But watch because he's going as this goes on, he's going to switch from writing on his pad of paper to grabbing his phone and he's texting the moderator. <laughs> Hold on, real quick before we do that. Yeah, I can't let this comment not be addressed. Andrew Selby. Again, I'm trying to respectfully disagree with you, but you're making that very difficult right now. You guys are pastors and teachers, and you should lead your flock to respect your spouse because you're saying that you're still going on about this whole thing with oral copulation and all that. Show me a Bible verse that says oral copulation or things like that is biblically wrong. I'll wait. You won't be able to. Okay. I teach people to respect their spouse all the time. You also mentioned up here that... uh, because essentially, let's see, um, it's not the Marriage Act. You also had mentioned something about 
Uh, the fact that we should teach them to respect each other's spouse instead of just using each other for sexual pleasure. Uh, I don't know about you, but oral something like oral copulation, for example, is not usually something that both parties tend to enjoy. It's usually you pleasuring your spouse and actually refusing yourself pleasure at that time. So please just... If you're going to keep going on this tangent, man, like it's just not this is not the the episode to do it. Nor are you going to be able to find something like that. We do teach people to respect their spouses, and we tell them that they must consent with each other in marriage. Okay, enough. Uh, I, I'm just sorry. It's a tired old hat, and I cannot sit there unless people say that. I hey Brian, you've worked with me before. Do I say respect your spouse? Yes. <laughs> okay, you do the same. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, let's go ahead now. Keep on moving. Never did I think this would be the, the focus of the topic tonight, but here we are. <laughs> he believes and therefore acts as though logic is real, math is real. Everything is real based on his presuppositional belief that they are real. You see, human flourishing, the cornerstone of Matt's ideology and that of secular humanism, is totally meaningless. Flourishing by whose metric? From my perspective, for instance, attempting to lie to people who claim men can be women isn't human flourishing. From Matt's perspective, it is. Why? Why should the collective of humanity lie and say men can get pregnant? Why should uh, they say that men can have periods? Things which are categorically and obviously false. That preserving homosexuality in society is good for human flourishing, even though they are reproductive dead ends. <laughs> and that Western society and egalitarianism is superior to those evil theist society, even though the Western nations can't even reproduce their own populations, but instead have to replace their population with foreigners from those theist nations that can reproduce. Let's start with a basic societal question recently asked of the West, who has now embraced a scientific and non-theistic approach to governing. Super basic question every kindergartner knows. If you don't believe me, go watch Kindergarten Cop. The question posed to the Western nation is, can a man be a woman, right? To the question of if a man can be a woman, they say the answer is yes. And the way we will decree they can be a woman is by simply saying that woman now means male. Problem solved. Thank you, secular humanists. Thank you so much. Nope, not kidding. Why you ask would people be this over the top stupid? Well, it's simple. The good is the good, man. We have to do what's good for human society and human flourishing. And if you don't call these deranged lunatics something they obviously aren't, they might self-terminate. So in order to avoid that, we need to make everybody on planet Earth lie to them. This is human flourishing. Just. Oh, my goodness. This is. He's on a ranch. <laughs> this is where he just like kicks it into like goes to 12. And I love it because. So here's, if you do not know this, this is actually something that's important to know. Matt Dillahunty is actually in a relationship with a trans woman, which we'll say is not a woman, okay? That is a, that is a man, that's a male, right? So, so he's in a relationship with this person, which is why he brought it up. Because remember everything Matt said about secular humanism, everything must be done scientifically? Well, clearly that's not scientific. Scientific, it means that you can, you know, you can create it, you can, you can observe it, you can, uh, you can interact with it, you can actually bring conclusions. You can't do that with something like trans issues, like transphobia, right? So, and then when he talks about self-terminating, obviously it's talking about the high depression rates and all that. Uh, in the trans community and the issues that exist there and the, the terrible suicidal ideation that exists. And then he's to call, say, call them deranged lunatics because it is absolutely crazy 
to say that somebody is something that they're not, right? And to keep affirming that. So to keep going like, oh no, you you know, you can be a woman. You are a woman. You are a woman. Then what you did is you took the word woman and you made it meaningless. It's like saying that, no, you're not a murderer after the person clearly murdered somebody. You're not a murderer. You're not a murderer. It's like you are saying, you're you taking the definition and making it mean nothing. The words have meaning and these meanings have to hold. Otherwise, our language means nothing to communicate. So he's calling that out and how on secular humanism, they don't have a baseline for logic. They don't have a ba uh, they don't have a justification for these things, why they have to be consistent, why they have to say that one thing's better than for than another. And if it really is about human flourishing, as he pointed out, then it's about humans flourishing, not just feeling good, because that's hedonism. This is about human flourishing, which would mean that reproductive ends would be important. Yeah, I feel like the human flourishing definition needs to be flushed out from Matt because I don't think it makes sense the way he's using it, right? We're kind of punching him in the teeth with it with regard to the abortion topic. And Andrew's talking to him about transgenderism. And, and both of those don't seem to actually create human flourishing and, and what would be the, the, the most logical definition of that phrase. Um, so what does it really mean to flourish? Does that mean that we're filling the earth, that um, we're able to build a society, that we work together um, that we are reproducing above replacement rates. Um, what are those? And that's what he's getting at with, with saying that we have to take people from other countries that are religious, that are reproducing in order to fill the, the population that we are losing. In fact, because of the rise in trans and homosexuality and abortion rates, we're actually seeing that the replacement rate of the population has gone drastically down in tons of countries, including our own, that we're not having enough kids so that's something to consider. Is that really human flourishing? Not really. Yeah, Russia even ran to this so bad that they actually have like like a annual holiday in Russia where it's it's go make babies day because they're they were so below the replacement rate and uh, Russia's had a very high abortion rate for many 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 years. I mean, you think uh, you think you feel alone? You think you feel single and lo alone on a Valentine's? Wait till. You, you go to Russia, they have that manual, annual make a baby day. <laughs> like, that would really make you, you feel depressed. buy a Hallmark card for that? I don't, I don't know how that works. That's probably not one of the Hallmark invented holidays, I think. So. Probably not, no. <laughs> anyway. All right. Yep, keep on trucking. Redefine shit, pretend it's true. How laughably absurd this worldview is. Matt will often say, I remain unconvinced. Well, Matt, I'm also going to use your standard. I need for you to 100% convince me beyond a shadow of a doubt that males can have babies. What's the answer going to be? No, Andrew, you big stupid. Males can't have babies. Men can have babies because we just define man to include females, dummy. Well, <clears throat> Matt, I remain unconvinced. I'd like Matt to convince me that if you are a male and you are having sex with another male, which would not be allowed in my version of a secular humanist worldview, how is it that you're not just basically having sex with a guy with a wig on? I really want to know the answer to that question. Not just me, but all rational people who aren't lunatics also want to know why it's ma'am isn't a complete and total crock of garbage. Because I remain fun. unconvinced that it isn't a total lie. And that these people don't just pervert the language to include their own perversions and then add human flourishing at the end. Matt has said he wouldn't make a law stopping nine-year-olds from having sex with each other. Not kidding. Now, I know this is going to sound a little bit totalitarian, but I would, in fact, create laws that made it a crime for a nine-year-old to have sex with their nine-year-old. 
I would hold the parents criminally liable for allowing this to happen in my evil authoritarian society where I don't even let nine-year-olds have sex or the parents go straight to jail for negligence. Now, I think that's better for human flourishing. I think maybe parents would be far less likely to let their nine-year-olds do that if they went to jail. Stupid me. Next, I would in my authoritarian society decree that all simulated sex acts in public were criminal offenses and would make sure that all people went to prison for the crime of indecency, which doesn't assist with human flourishing. And I'd like to know why I'm wrong. He's texting again. Secular humanism <laughs> can basically be whatever the hell you want it to be. It doesn't really need the principle of freedom or the starting axiom of freedom and peace in order to postulate whatever it wants. It's sloganeering. They're slogans. They don't mean anything. Okay, why do nine-year-olds need to be able to have sex in order to advance humanity? Why do we need to lie about a person's sex in order to advance humanity? Why are these things necessary for human flourishing? Why are decency laws bad? Why would Christian ethics stop flourishing when the theist mandate is to reproduce, reproduce and the secular mandate is let's just all have sex and have fun, bro. That sounds way worse for human flourishing. In fact, I would say not reproducing is a worst possible thing for human flourishing because if there's no humans, how do you flourish? So I guess in essence, step one, I remain unconvinced. Step two, I need to be convinced so I'm no longer unconvinced. And step three, but God not real dough doesn't matter here. I've already granted it to still demonstrate just how stupid this ideology actually is. With that, I'll yield my time and I'm happy to get into it. Hey, James, <coughs> I just sent you a So, 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 <laughs> before we get to the, the fireworks show that everyone's <laughs> waiting for. So it is really, so... This is where it would go. So there, there's no humans, uh, you know, obviously, how do you flourish? So he's he's right here. It's like, how do you, how can you even say that a man is a woman and a woman is a man and a man can give birth and we just redefine it? That's what we keep doing. We're just redefining it. And so he calls that out like, okay. And again, Matt's partner's trans. So this is going for the throat. You could be like, well, that's a low blow, man. You're going, you're, you're good at making it personal. Is it personal when you are actually just challenging the person's own, like, worldview and they just happen to be living consistently with their worldview like if you're a secular humanist then sure there's nothing wrong with dating a trans person the entire time of saying you're wrong is attacking someone's personal beliefs and their personal way of life right you're attacking christianity you're attacking my personal way exactly. of life so there's nothing wrong with that like there's nothing wrong with him going you have this situation for as many people know this my wife is korean my wife i'm in a, an interracial marriage well Somebody might be, I've had people tell me I can't be married, people with outdated belief systems, um, uh, people who misinterpret the Bible. People tell me that it's wrong for me to be in an interracial marriage. Well, I'm not like you're attacking me personally, bro. I'm like, no, your argument's bad and you should feel bad. You've also had secular humanists tell you that you shouldn't be in that marriage because you're being racist. <laughs> I, I have. I've been told both ways. The, <laughs> And I, I've been called racist because, and I'll be like, oh, well, my wife's Korean. They're like, you're hiding behind her race. I'm like, no matter what I, I do, I can't win with you guys. But um, so he really does kind of call that. Also, he there's two things he does mention about like his authoritarian society. He says he'd make it illegal and the parents criminally liable if nine-year-olds had sex. That is one area where I'm like, uh, disagree there because it's like, I do know many weird situations can happen that, but parents should be more like attentive. I don't know what your thoughts were on that, but I'm like, but it does like, if kids go do something stupid, like your parents held criminally liable, seems a little bit much. 
However, I am all for making all sorts of public indecency laws. Please bring some of that back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say there's definitely, we still have to have a monochrome of, of free will understanding with regard to parents and children. But, and I don't even know really what Dillahunty said about nine year olds in the past. He's going to be really mad about it in a second and say that he was. I thought about looking it up, but then I realized I didn't care. I don't care either. It doesn't matter. And it's kind of funny because. Let's just like like Andrew. Let's just grant Matt's premise that's true that he didn't say the way that Andrew uh, defined it, but he spent whatever eight minutes in his opening statement defining Christianity, how no one defines it. So I think if he's upset with misrepresenting ideas, then he shouldn't be upset, or he should realize that he's already done it himself and maybe reform him first before he asks for Andrew to change. Right. And uh, by the way, I should make sure I mentioned with a nine-year-old thing. Totally think it's wrong. Make sure I clarify. Definitely wrong. Ready made it clear. Adults, marriage, oh, man and woman. Hold. Okay, I want to make sure we're clear on that. I'm just like making parents criminally liable. Not sure because kids can sneak off and do things. And as a as someone who's been in student ministry for a very long time, there's definitely been situations where you're like, oh come on, like the parent it, it wasn't the parents' fault. Anyway, I think you get my point. But I definitely think that there should be, uh, you know, that things should be more discouraged than they are instead of having to have like sex education with, you know, fifth graders now. So, yeah, you don't have to agree with every part of Andy's worldview to at least agree with his tactic here that it was quite effective in in revealing the incoherence of sexual secular humanism and how Matt's describing it. All right. Are we ready for the fireworks? Oh, let's get to the fireworks. Everyone go grab your popcorn. (laughs) Here we go. Message. We are going to kick it into an open discussion, so uh, 50 minutes, and uh, let's kick it. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and dignify the preparation that I went through and what people were here for. You're so indignant. Keep interrupting me. <laughs> I, I am. Okay. You're so indignant. Would the moderator like to step in so that I can finish oh, what I'm oh, saying? Please, Matt. Please. How dare someone have an opposing role? I'm not going to sit here and dignify what was supposed to be a debate about Christianity versus secular humanism, which one's better for the world. Yes. With someone who clearly showed up with an agenda that has nothing to do with that. I just Someone who refers to trans people as deranged lunatics who will self-terminate if you dare to question them. How am I wrong, Matt? Someone, someone who misrepresents a quote from a debate where I said I wouldn't make a law about nine-year-olds having sex being legal with respect to the nine-year-olds, not that I was in any way in favor of it and that I was actually opposed to it, which I addressed during that debate. But moreover, this is not remotely an honest interaction on the front of whether or not secular humanism is valuable. Because this, when he presented his position here, has nothing to do with secular humanism. From the get-go, it's all about me. Matt thinks, Matt thinks, Matt thinks. I'm given what Matt thinks, what Matt thinks, what Matt thinks. Matt's position, it's Matt's position. I came in with the Secular Humanist Manifesto. I came in with positions that aren't just my, that aren't merely my position. Oh, well, as long as multiple people hold the position, This guy's not serious and I'm leaving. James, if you want a refund, you Well, good day, sir. And I'll cover your refund, Mr. Matt. He just said he'd cover my refund. I would cover his refund. No, the audio is going to get terrible here in a second. All right. Pause oh. it real fast. Pause it before we get oh. to the rest of this, because this is get super funny. Good, uh, day. <laughs> good day, sir. So, good day. so um, first off, 
I wanted to talk about Matt's absolutely. He's like, and the preparation I went through for this debate, you made the preparation where you said you literally have never listened to a single word. Like, it's like, I just, I just came up. We just met now. Like you did so much preparation on your opponent. Yeah. <sighs> and, and then he he's gave like, such a similar opening statement that Andrew had the response to it without ever even hearing it. <laughs> Well, it's funny is that like, okay, so you have uh, Matt Dillahunty's like absolute um, misrepresentative, toxic, like vitriolic statement. And he has made plenty of them about Christianity, but he may had, had this one that he just attacked Christianity in such a vitriolic way. And Wilson whips it around, and does the same thing. But, but, but the thing is that Wilson actually has truth on his side. So he takes it, he flips it and launches it at him. Uh, and suddenly Matt Dillahunty can't take the heat. Matt can dish out the heat, but he can't take the heat. What do the kids say? The reverse, reverse Uno card he just pulled on him. <laughs> exactly. As Roddick here says, classic, Matt opens by assaulting Christianity, straw mans it, and by default, Andrew then has a hissy, uh, and strawmans it and by default andrew then has a hissy fit and having the mud thrown back at him lol exactly so and then also uh, yeah this is something that matt says is like well i came in you kept saying it's all about me right matt thinks matt thinks matt thinks but i came in here with a manifesto but as new testament theologist with nick quint says matt read a manifesto why does it have to be a manifesto and sat and sat back and boofed around for a bit but the thing is is I, okay to that point though it's a debate between secular humanism and christianity but there's different varieties of secular humanism and all wilson's doing is going matt your version is bad and you should feel bad and in fact humanism is bad in general but yours is especially bad but he couldn't handle the heat so he even Matt even mentions in his opener that he doesn't know what Andrew thinks, so he's not able to address it. But then when Andrew addresses what Matt thinks, then that's somehow a problem here. And he spent most of his opening statement talking about what Mike Johnson thinks. Like, why does that matter? If it's if it's we're talking about just general secular humanism and general Christianity, then why does it matter what what Mike Johnson thinks? Um, Aries says that, yes, Matt researched and prepared for the debate topic, not the debate opponent. Well, guess what? Preparing for both is what you need to do. He should have prepared for the debate opponent. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> debate opponents are just as important. Knowing your opponent is just as important as to knowing the topic to debate. And Robert, Matt doesn't study for debates. He just goes, I'm not convinced. That's all he does. And then he throws, he keeps launching the same accusations, no matter how many times he's been corrected on the same accusations. There's a reason why even like atheist scholars don't take Nadilla that seriously. They don't like him. So. Well, I think just take, take the Christianity, atheism, secular humanism out of it for a second. Matt's using the same kind of debate tactic we see in a lot of other um, debaters now where They'll take this kind of incredulous view. They'll apologize to the audience and they'll use rhetoric to get out of the of the logical corner they've been painted into. So Matt was painted into a logical corner with his own viewpoint. So instead of addressing it with debate and logic and reason, he decided to react and um, go after his debate opponent and gaslight his audience. Um, so anyways, some of you may be thinking of who I'm referring to in some of the debaters that are in some of the theological circles, it's not a good debate tactic and it shouldn't be done. Um, 
the other thing I wanted to say, just some some of the other things that he said, Matt, he says, someone who misrepresent, misrepresents a quote from a debate. Um, his entire opening statement is misrepresenting Christianity and religion and Mike Johnson, I assume. I just based on some of the things he was characterizing Mike Johnson as. Based on a track record here. Yeah. And then he says, this is not an honest interaction. Is that in secular humanism, do you have to be honest? Is that something you must do? I thought there was no shells and shell nots in sector humanism. <laughs> oh, there we go again. Also, Aries, uh, you were, uh, she says right here, so why, why, like as in why should he research his opponent so you can attack their personal life and not their presented position in the debate? Um, again, Aries, I mentioned this earlier, even attacking Christianity is attacking my personal life. So no matter what, that's, that's a debate. If you're going into a debate, you're attacking someone's belief systems and therefore parts of their personal life. That's how it works. Anyway, continue. Um, so let's let's get into the, let's get into the fireworks show for a minute. Yeah, it's gonna get a little bit worse here. You know, I'm not going to dignify a debate with someone who walked in to trash talk people and be smug. <clears throat> And all of the things that he's doing right now, he's already said he will cover my expenses. If you don't have anything to worry about, this debate is over. Goodbye. Goodbye. Jackass. <laughs> did you call? Did you did you call me a jackass, Matt? Well, you and your husband have a good day, Matt. Uh, <laughs> have a wonderful day, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was fine. I mean, if you're going to take a parting shot, I will too, Matt. Yeah. yeah. No, your parting shot's correct. <laughs> oh man, tough, tough crowd. No, you guys got to cover your own costs. Sorry. So I agree that what Andrew said wasn't helpful at all. Well, hold on. Just let me actually talk because, like, I'm already addressing this. I do want to interrupt this still. Really? Yeah. Tell people, please. So, is Andrew, like, just tell people, really. Like, that doesn't come off as. The presentation of a correct worldview. So, but I. I would like Matt to refute and explain to Andrew, like, hey, here's why calling people lunatics isn't an argument, and this is intellectually low-brow. But I can't help that Matt laughed. I'm sorry about that. So uh, if you want to email me, I'm at moderndaydebate at gmail.com. I can even give you my number if you want to email me first and we can talk. But I think we'd agree that, you know, calling people names isn't an argument, and it's lowbrow. I didn't uh, call anybody any names. At the same time. All right. That was the part I wanted to get to at the end. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's so funny because when – all right. So first off, we have the guy be like, that wasn't beneficial, and he instantly starts tone policing. And Matt's mad because he keeps calling him smug. Meanwhile, he himself, Matt, is always smug. <laughs> like – always smug in his so, debate what we see <laughs> exactly um by the way i don't know if it, the uh, the audio got cranked for everybody else but your the audio is really cranked on your end i feel like 
that always has coming through my ears. I don't know if that's a thing for everyone else, but it is on mine. I don't. So I don't know if you adjusted anything for the sake of the video or not. I just I did not. Okay. All right. Maybe I'm crazy. Anyway. So it is funny in that sense, right? So you have this like, <laughs> he's tone police, but like Matt lives smug. Like Matt is always smug to his theist opponents. This was like the first time that any theist that I know of really gave Matt a taste of his own medicine. When even when our friend Braxton Hunter debated him, Braxton was super nice with him. I told Braxton he was too nice to him. <laughs> I was like, Braxton, you're too nice. Because when you act this way to other people, uh and then suddenly you get it you have to learn how to eat crow too like if you're gonna dish it out you have to take it you know we get a lot of response videos to us uh and when we get them guess what sometimes they're smug sometimes they're they they laugh and they joke and they they prod i don't get all upset about that then he when they said that he was insulting it's because he used the word lunatic right i'm sure that's what i care these delusional lunatics but he but a lunatic is someone who's mentally ill that's what lunatic is. And if you actually, and that would be someone who's deranged and a lunatic and based on his premises premise of the idea that someone who is a man cannot be a woman. If you think that it can be, there's a mental illness there and therefore you must be deranged or unstable or not in adherence to reality. That's why he said it is a presentation of a proper worldview. And yeah, he was smug about it, but he was also not incorrect. And um, some people say, uh, apparently CC here says drama is greater than debate. Good to know people care more about the lack of substance about the topic and more interested in petty squabble. Uh, no, the debate just walked out. <laughs> it, the, 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 the interesting part about this is because Matt accidentally ruins his own arguments by the way he acted at the end of this debate. When his smugness was matched with smugness, he showed that he actually doesn't believe what he said. So when he said earlier, that reason and intelligence are the most effective instruments we possess. Here he decided not to use reason and intelligence. He decided to walk away and name call. Um, so I guess it's not that effective of a tool, maybe in not all situations. He also says that reason and science are the best methods at our disposal to assess reality and reach conclusions. But I guess not here because what science or reason did he employ to reach his conclusions about Andrew being maybe a jackass? <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't seem to actually follow his own presuppositions that he proclaimed in his opening statement about Christianity and, and secular humanism. He doesn't seem to be able to hold to his own standards. Like I said, it's incoherent. And that's kind of what happens when you have a legalistic worldview. You can't hold to your own standards. Well, Matt, God standards instead. <laughs> Matt said that, hey, there and secular humanism, there is thou sh no thou shalt and thou shalt not, right? But apparently, thou shalt not be insulting to me. Thou shalt not bring in my personal life. Thou shalt not do all these different things. So, yeah, I'm I'm not a like I, I can't take Matt seriously when he takes moral objections over here while saying in his opening statement there are the no thou shalt nots and then say it's wrong, and then also when he's like I'm not going to be up here and like you know cater to this guy who does this essentially I'm not going to I'm play into this. Dignify. I'm not going to dignify. Uh, well, what's funny about that too is like I'm, I'm over here. Like, if I actually w believe that what Wilson said was wrong, that's the moment where you go, okay, I'm going to bring my guns to the gunfight now. I'm going to show how my secular humanism answers your objections to my personal life and is a better foundation for morality. That's when you do it because you know what? You also had people there who probably paid for tickets and traveled to see it, 
and you basically also just disrespected disrespected them. You didn't dignify them either. So it's but again, there's no thou shalt and thou shalt not on secular humanism. So I guess who really cares? And as Matt takes his parting name calling shot at Andrew on his way out, I just want to re- remind you all of what the quote we said you should remember early on, which was he said, individuals are precious and their dignity needs to be affirmed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless you say something that he doesn't like, then dignity does not need to be affirmed. You are no longer precious. You could be name called and ridiculed and it doesn't matter. Um, he also said that secular, Matt also said earlier that secular humanism solves conflict with data, debate, and discussion instead of coercion, conversion, or conquest. Was he applying his own morals here? Was he solving conflict with debate, (laughs) with data, with discussion? I don't think so. No, because the data disagrees with his life, his very lived out life right now. Because, okay, so Aries is back, and this must be somebody uh, who's not our, one of our normal audience members, I'm assuming. Because uh, and this person says this, and I'm going to talk about this with his personal life here. I'm sorry, but Andrew, a.k.a. Big Papa Fascist, clearly only looked into Matt to make personal attacks. Andrew immediately said that he has no evidence to support Christianity is better, only at hominem. He actually never said that he has no evidence. He just says he's not interested in doing that because even if he... If, even if he can't, it's still better to live that way. So again, rep, uh, if we're talking about misrepresentations. He just said, "Hey, even if God doesn't exist, it's better to pretend, like act as he does, as so as if he does." That's what he was saying. So, and I would say he clearly did look into Matt way more than just his personal life because he knew exactly how he was going to frame his whole opening statement, how smug he was going to be, and he had the whole his whole response already prepared for what he knew Matt was going to say. So, I think the very least we can grant that Andrew knew a little bit more about Matt than just his personal life. Also the digs he made that even personal life and not in personal life, those digs that were made were made specifically following a logical conclusion of a ver- of a particular thought. So I want to make sure. So, so there is, there was a flow, a thought flow as to why he's bringing in those examples. Um, so Let's see. We have a super chat. Thank you. Super chats always get recognized. Um, he says, let's not overlook that Andrew brought an airtight argument in the opening statement by internal critique that Matt knew he couldn't overcome. Exactly. And here's the reality. Uh, so 750 Donuts of Doom, <laughs> that might be the best name for an account of all time. I don't know. 750 Donuts of Doom. So the reality is with this. So because, again, Dillahunty is in a relationship with a trans woman so a man he's in a relationship with a man and by the way this man looks significantly younger than him and this man has two twitter profiles uh i'm warning you right now don't look them up uh one of them is a pornography one and the other one is a normal twitter account so you have now he talks about the human flourishing i'm calling bull crap on dillahunty's view here what it really is that he just wants to live he, he, he wants to reject God because he wants to live however he wants to live and live as immorally and as sexually based as, as, in, into his desires as he wants. Because everyone knows that one, things like trans, like uh, gender dysphoria, one, not good for human flourishing, okay? Not for the people within the community, not for people outside the community. Uh, there's a lot of issues there. However, creating pornography is one of the most scientifically proven things that are destroying our societies, destroying our young people, destroying our children. It is destroying marriages, 
families, everything is being destroyed because of pornography. Their pornography has been shown to have as much damage on the brain as hardcore drugs and other things. And you want to talk to me about human flourishing when you're with somebody who's creating that garbage for other people to consume for money? Get out of here. Get off your high horse. I have no interest in it. It's just... It's not about human flourishing. It's not. It's about you wanting to live how you want to live without having any moral obligation to a transcendent, transcendental moral order. You want to reject the existence of God because you want to live as immorally base as possible. Sorry. Well, can I add to that? <laughs> Rant over. I just I I have zero amounts, <laughs> zero amount of patience for that. Like so, yes. 750 donuts of doom. Let's not overlook that Matt brought an airtight argument in the opening statement by internal critique that Matt knew he couldn't overcome. And that's exactly why. Because if as soon as you start pressing those issues, it falls apart. So uh, so this idea that he only made personal attacks is not true. You actually can follow the train of thought if you actually are listening to what Wilson is saying. But you have to get past his tone to do so. So this is what happens with a lot of people. They get lost in how something is said and not what is said. You need to focus on what is said and follow the train of thought and not get all worked up over how it was presented. I get really tired of tone policing. What? Well, it has a broader context for the church in general, too, because that is what causes church splits is because people are worried about how something was said instead of what was said. And uh, that's what creates all kinds of contention in the church. And we that's what causes gossip and causes people to rage quit over stupid little things in the church. Um, so the church itself, this is a critique, a critique of us. We can do a lot better. We can we can act better than what Matt did here in this example. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick is, is Andrew says, you and your husband have a good day. And that really upsets Matt, right? But... And we're obviously taking this as a troll. Matt took as a troll. The moderator did. The audience did. But does his statement, hope you and your husband have a good day, did that prevent human flourishing? Just that's take all the secular humanism viewpoint on that phrase. Did that prevent human flourishing? Why is he upset with that? I thought that's part of the, the view. We got to accept it. He's allowed to, He's allowed to practice his religion, right? As long as he doesn't impose on others. He was just saying, have a nice day. Right? Right. Exactly. Um, so Aries, to your point here, he says, so he agreed to a topic and can't support his position of why it would be better to pretend. No. He just said, I don't even need to demonstrate that God exists here because your worldview is so outstandingly absurd that even just to pretend that God exists makes far more sense than your absurd worldview. It's an argument. It's like, that's my argument. And you, they weren't able to even explore said argument of like, I don't need to demonstrate God exists. I just need to show how dumb yours is to say that, yeah, it's better to pretend God exists because if we pretend God exists, then we at least have justification for morality, meaning, identity, and a number of other issues. But, I mean, in this area, you say why it'd be better to pretend. Well, I mean, Dillahunty or and a lot of other people pretend that men can be women, women can be men. So it doesn't really. You also, you also have to grant all the premises of your debate opponent. Exactly. You can, you can choose how you want to debate it and, and which premises you want to grant. And Andrew took a very different approach than most of Matt's uh, debate opponents. And that's why we're talking about it. It was unique and different. Exactly. And by the way, Roddy, um, 
by the way, I, thought he, I don't know if you saw it. He goes by Roddy and K is the first part of his last name. So Roddy's his name. So it makes it easier now instead of going Roddick. Uh, sorry for anyone who's listened to the audio and you're not watching the live stream. So so then if they don't, he says, then if they don't like your tone, they, being atheists, will have the nerve to tell you you aren't being Christian because they expect Christians to passively be steamrolled by them. And that's exactly why I stand behind what Wilson did here. Because I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians think that it's a Christian thing to not to just allow themselves to be steamrolled and be like the little passive martyr. And that is nowhere what we are called to do. We need to make a defense. So and it's okay to do that. And sometimes to call someone a whitewashed tomb, or in this situation, tell them them and their husband to have a good day. So uh anyway, um, yeah, I'd say too at the end, right? The moderator seems to take Matt's side. He's obviously disappointed that his sweet debate isn't gonna isn't gonna be as interesting as he thought. Little did he know he probably got way more views than this than he would have otherwise. Um, but he calls out what he seems to. I'm making an assumption here. He seems to be calling out Andrew at the end that he's saying name calling people isn't an argument. Um, but recall again in, in Matt's opening statement, he called David Barton in a, a quote. Notorious lying pseudo historian. He also called Andrew a jackass. <laughs> so name calling was happening already from Matt's side as well. And Andrew, I will grant that both of them were using an homonym. Um, but again, I would, it looks like Andrew is using it to show everyone Matt's techniques in debates. And to meet the same level of energy. And mm -hmm. also, the ad hominem, like, so calling someone a lunatic, who is, which is the technical definition being mentally ill, one could make an argument that actually the definition was correct. <laughs> like, so at least the ad hominem, if put under a microscope, could actually be granted as a, well, if you can demonstrate your premises as true, then the definition would follow. Now, you don't have to like it. I'm just saying that that is there. So... But uh, yeah, it, that it, that's why I found it so refreshing. Like it really was. So when I was watching this, I was like, "What is everyone talking about?" So I got through Matt's stuff, and of course, you're rolling your eyes if you know anything about theology, because again, he is about the theological prowess of a third grader who can't read. Uh, but when you're dealing with, <laughs> there's my ad hominem. So, um, but it's but it's true. I mean, have you seen the way this guy argues for against God's existence? Again, atheist scholars are even like, "These are bad arguments, bro." Um, so anyhow, circle back around. Um, so you have this guy who can't do theology whatsoever, who at, who does insults all the time to people and acts this way. So I'm over there listening to it. So I'm like, I'm rolling my eyes, listen to Matt go. I'm like, yeah, this is a normal way. And then I was like, I don't even know who this Andrew Wilson guy is. And right when he started, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> this yeah, guy's, uh, getting after it. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not, he's not pulling punches. And then when the, when he started storming out, I was like, oh, okay. And then when he said, you and your husband have a good day, I was legitimately about to take a drink. And I, sp I mean, I busted a gut. I was just not, I was just shocked. By the way, I do also want to address this because this is something I am seeing, not just Aries mentioned this earlier. I think that's the name in the chat, but other people have mentioned this before that, well, this is like a case of entertainment as opposed to dealing with substance. And there is substance there if you examine it. That is true. However, there is also a sense of entertainment, okay? Debates, if you've been listening to like, does God exist, does God not exist debates for a long time, you'll notice that certain arguments just keep repeating. 
Mm-hmm. It could get very boring. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why like I used to consume all the debates. Now I consume very few debates because I'm like, oh, familiar with this, familiar with that. So yeah, I sometimes go to a debate for the entertainment factor. Sometimes I'm there to hear somebody with truth throw a zinger in there. I'll admit it. I want to, I want to be entertained. Uh, so there, there's nothing wrong with wanting entertainment with your online uh, engagement and consumption. I, I mean, if all I did was read facts to you about theology and the Bible, and I've sat here and read point by point one of Heiser's works or somebody else's works, you'd be like, this is a very boring channel. You'd probably want to be entertained, right? Am I wrong? Well, I'd say, too, that, you know, part of the method of argumentation that you use in debate is part of your tactic. So when you're preparing for a de- debate, not that I've done one as a formal debate like this, but you're preparing you're preparing t- tactics as well as understanding your debate opponent, understanding their arguments and so, and preparing your facts and logic and reasoning on your side um, and getting ready to respond to the counterpoints that you are expecting that they're going to make. So him picking a different tactic or a different argumentation style is still a tactic as part of debate prep. I don't fault him for that. Um, is his style my style? No, not necessarily. Was it entertaining and funny? Yes. Did it completely eviscerate the secular humanism argument from Matt in his opening statement? A hundred percent it did. A hundred percent. It was left dead in the ashes of, of the wake of his arguments because it was so overwhelmingly powerful that it showed everything that Matt had just said. He couldn't live up to it. He can't live up to his own standards. All the quotes that he said at the beginning are laughable now because you say he, he doesn't actually hold any of those things. They were smug responses to and smug claims to make Christianity look silly because he didn't actually want to address any of the arguments of Christianity and theism. He just wanted to straw man gaslight and win rhetorical points with an audience that mostly agrees with him already. Yeah, and uh, the, and so when you're, when you're saying that, um, oh, crud, this is the worst part about uh, live streaming is that when you run a blank. We'll get distracted by the, the comment section. I do, I do. I was looking over. It's a problem. Hey, it's okay. Someone's got to moderate this bad boy. Some of y'all get out of control in here. So anyway, uh, so then, um, so real quick, I, I did star some comments and I figure because I don't think do we have much more to address in this debate? No, that's all I had. OK, yeah, that's about what I have, too. I mean, Dillahunty just collapses on it under his own weight a little bit. So first off, CJ Phillips says both you and Flowers are going live at the same time. I will watch you live because I find this topic funny. <laughs> Thank you. And it's also because we're way cooler than Flowers. Flowers, please have us on. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, and then uh, Trezoth. I don't know how to say your name. Matt thinks it's a theist's responsibility to produce pictures of God or a video of creation. Until then, the burden of proof isn't met. Exactly. So it was funny that he can levy arguments against Christianity all day, and he says that his arguments should be enough to thwart Christianity's claims. Meanwhile, if he's presented with an argument for Christianity, uh, well, if it's not direct evidence where he actually like puts his hands through through Jesus's hand, like put his fingers through Jesus's hands, like doubting Thomas, or see the hole in his side, he won't be convinced. You know, it's just so it just goes to show that again, Matt can't live up to his own standards. Um, Benjamin Davis, Ben, man, I love this guy. He's like, when I grow up, I want to be Ben Davis, by the way, I hadn't seen the debate, but watched it today just so I could watch your reaction to it. 
Thanks, man. I bet it was one of the best 20 minutes of your life right there. That was, <laughs> that was a good time. Um, Andrew Selby said, wild debate and wild room. That was there. Andrew was the only sane person there. And Jordan Thornburg said, the reason why Matt Dillahunty is so vile toward Christianity is because he hates it, which is true. Um, Chris Fisher, Fisher uh, reading the uh, Matt Dillahunty, reading the Bible until he gets to the gay stuff. Then this is an outrage. We need more men in dresses. Oh my gosh. Chris, sometimes I love you. Um, and then right here, uh, he says, yes, uh, Roddy again says, yes, they demand ethnic minorities had the same right to destroy themselves as white people because he's not racist at all. <laughs> um, so because if you're familiar with the abortion issues that that's funny. So anyway, so yeah, we could keep, uh, we could keep going on through some of these, but, uh, let's see if there's anything real quick going else on the live and we'll go from there. Um, Oh, real. That's what I wanted to uh, highlight. Nick Quint, you said you sent off your first chapter for your PhD tomorrow. Um, and we'll pray for it. So uh, we will definitely pray for you. Hope that it goes. And I, I'm sure it isn't absolutely trash. Also, no, Nick, I don't want to debate you. I like you too much. <laughs> Plus, I don't want to debate you on a topic that you know more more than me on because I'm not prepared <laughs> for it. Uh, I'll, I'll debate people on atonement, though, or other things that I studied. Hey, unless you want to do that, penal substitution, eh, we can do that debate. Anyway, um, all right, guys. So anyhow, all that to say that there is a lot to kind of unpack here. And there is a big outrage of the Christian community. And some of the groups I saw, they're like, Andrew Wilson behaved miserably here. And I think honestly, what we really need to do is we need to walk that back a little bit and just go, okay, but first off, was he right? Secondly, did his attacks follow from one another? Thirdly, was it just Matt getting a taste of his own medicine? And I think it was. I think he's been used to pushing around his theist opponents, and he wasn't used to someone going, yeah, I'll grant that premise because this is still better than that, and here's why. And your your your, your uh, worldview cannot be lived, lived in consistently. So uh, I think it was actually a, kind of refreshing, honestly. Like, it was kind it was of nice. Refreshing. And it was entertaining. And, yeah, I don't think we need to be pearl clutching after watching this and just – Enjoy it for what it was. Enjoy that it did expose Matt's arguments for how terrible they were. Um, and it was unique, I guess. So yeah, it's, a it's a definitely, yeah. definitely, a, definitely unique debate strategy. So, uh, but I mean, obviously it worked because Dill Hunty forfeited and you can say, we walked out, he didn't forfeit. No, he forfeited. He, 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 he wouldn't engage. He walked away and said, wouldn't dignify it. He walked out. He, he forfeited. So he anyway, he get paid for it. He got his refund. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He got his refund. So uh, anyhow, um, so with all that said, guys, I hope this was fun for you guys as it was for us. We just had to talk about it. Like this was just one of those ones where like, we got to talk about this, especially because I saw like so many so often in the academic community, there's this really big idea that you have to like be like above such things. And what's funny is that sometimes I think when you do that, it's less effective. And uh, some people forget that, like some of my really good friends who are great philosophers and theologians, they forget that sometimes you need to go in just for the punch and just take the punch. And there has been times I've seen great people who I am on their side of lose debates because they're just getting punched to pieces by their opponent and they never learn to punch back. And this was one of those things where it's like, see, punch you back. Now you might say you went too far. 
okay, we can, you could disagree with us on some of that. Like I said, I disagree with them on one area just on legal, on how we would deal with the legality of, of nine-year-olds there. I, I think there's definitely problems, but I'd be like, mm, I think we'd have to discuss on what we mean by that. I'm okay with there being decency laws there, but what are we talking about? But he was ambiguous. And we didn't get to get into that, did we? Because Matt walked away. But anyway, point is that you might think he went too far, but we do need to see more in the Christian community of people being willing to punch back when people are making such ridiculous claims against Christianity. Because well, every episode, challenge the status quo. <laughs> right, challenge it. This challenge was it. challenging the status quo. Yeah, like, I'm done playing your games. I'm just going to go straight for the throat this time. And I think that's actually something that's needed. Because when I go on TikTok, I see TikTok atheism. I don't see people being respectful to Christians and having a very diplomatic conversation regarding the, the objections. No. In fact, that somebody who we used to discuss with recently, I found out, became an atheist. And she's over there doing all the standard TikTok atheism and actually thinks the Euthyphro Dilemma debunks the existence of God, as if we've never heard about the Euthyphro Dilemma ever. So we're seeing this sort of thing all the time, and it's something that's, it is just good to see that somebody actually went in there and took a swing. And I didn't, I, I don't hate it. So anyway, yeah. yep. Uh, so don't forget to like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Hope these have been fun. Uh, let us know also. Oh, by the way, some people send us messages like on Twitter and stuff. Uh, just do me a favor. It's the easiest way to get in touch with us is usually email the church split at gmail.com. We don't always check every little thing. Uh, the other thing is, is, uh, don't forget again, like subscribe, go do the whole thing on Patreon and all that. We definitely do want to engage more. And if you like Brian and I doing more live streams, let us know. Or if you'd rather us do what we used to do more often, which is do a pre-recorded longer episode, let us know. This is a little bit easier for us as it requires less editing, but I understand that might cause listening issues. But also we've had a lot of requests that people want to engage with us in live stream. So we're trying to balance a lot of things. We want to keep, uh, we want to keep the mobs happy. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Cool. Um, Brian, you have any closing thoughts real fast? No, I think I said everything I want to say. Um, glad everyone's here to interact with us. And uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll just say I didn't think that some of the rabbit trails this video went on would happen, but here we are. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll blame and, you for that, Will. <laughs> yeah, well, I saw it and I couldn't let it go. It just drives me nuts. And plus, I didn't expect to go that far down the rabbit hole. Um, so yeah, uh, with that being said, 750 Donuts of Doom. We were actually talking about that. We would like to get Andrew Wilson on. I think it would be really interesting to pick his brain on the entire situation and uh, all that good stuff. I'm not familiar with all his work. So uh, before someone is like, you must be okay with all this. No, I'm not. I don't know what all he said. He might be a great dude. He might not be. All I know is that I was entertained and it was actually good. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but yeah, we might actually try to do that. So anyhow, guys, we probably won't see you all before Thanksgiving. So have a great Thanksgiving with your friends and family. We're looking forward to talking to you soon. But until then, We'll see you next time on The Church Split. So take care and God bless. And guys, if you want to avoid seeing obnoxious ads like this, we gotta be strong, we gotta be healthy. When you wanna feel nice and strong and satisfied, you gotta check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Knowles. Or that. We also want to thank Free Life Soap, because I don't know about y'all, yes. but I got a new shipment of soap yes, in. Yes, I did. Yes, sir. And it was great. Or this. 
Hi guys, my name is Will, and I'm here to tell you why you should be a student at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. Or that. To get to that momentarily first, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Are you aware that your browsing data is constantly being tracked and monitored? Please support us on Patreon. We do not want to annoy you filthy heretics with any sort of ads on this show. So when you're a Patreon subscriber, you also get access to our apologetics classes and other video contents a whole month. You can support us on Patreon for as low as $1 a month.